Welcome to the Fantasy Champions Fantasy Football Podcast. Here's your host, Morgan Colby and Rick Lemon. What's going on, Fantasy Champs? My name is Morgan Colby. I got Rick Lemon with me as always. What's poppin', Ricardo? What's up? What's up? And we have uh, quite an interesting program uh, for you today. Quite an this, interesting this, show. This one is, you know, it's it's not the uh, the sexiest one, but it's it's very very in- interesting <laughs> and with important information. I always get excited about the stupidest shows. <laughs> I'm like, let's talk about freaking coaches, baby. Yeah, the no average person is like no one cares. But yeah, this is this is honestly very important stuff. <laughs> yeah, it's it it kind of will. I guess make and make or break uh, a lot of teams. Um, I guess offensive play styles when it comes to fantasy yes. football and who becomes a success and who doesn't. Um, so I, I, you know, it, it obviously has a massive connection to the success of not just an entire offense, but um, of the fantasy players surrounding it. Uh, if you have a coach that doesn't like workhorse running backs. Um, and loves to use like six different running backs, kind of like build. Uh, yep. That is going to affect the running back. You could have the you could have Saquon Barkley on your team with Bill Belichick, and he'd still run uh, Brandon Cooks onto the field. Not Brandon Cooks. Uh, who was that running back last year? Brandon Bolden. Still roll, oh, yeah, yeah. roll Brandon, Brandon Bolden out there. So. For at least like 100 plays. Yeah. Um, so so anyway, it, it just varies by coach. Um, and we're going to try to break down, you know, all the coaching hires, talk about where um, we're not going to go over new offensive coordinators because if the head coach is still in place, then there's not going to be much change to the offense, I would say. Um, but we are going to go through the new head coaching hires. And then if it's a defensive coach, we'll go through the offensive coordinator um, and what that person will provide for the team um, and the ceiling that they do have. A lot of different head coaching hires this year to get through. So we we probably won't spend a whole gamut of time talking about each player. But anyway, yeah. Um. So without further ado, let's 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 jump into it. Before we do, check out our website fantasychampions.com. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok. Uh, check us out over there. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or any other podcast platforms, be sure to leave a review and share this podcast with your friends. If you're watching on YouTube, subscribe, click the bell for notifications, like, and comment down below uh, any questions you may have for us about the coaches. I also knows. Excuse me. I was yawning. Oh. Are you um, good? I, I don't have the Zoom call up, so I just heard yeah, you stop you, just, you heard me stop talking. Like, what's going on? I, I was yawning. Um. Our website is apparently down. Yeah, it's, it, I looked it up a couple days ago, and it's it's not it's not up right now for whatever reason. So if you do go to thefantasychampions.com, you won't see anything. So we are working on fixing that. I was going to say, I'm sure that's going to be fixed very soon. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, it is what it is. We might have some new things coming soon. So anyway, um, but. Without further ado, let's jump into the coach hirings for 2022. Some coaching changes. This should be an interesting show. Now, I was going to start off by noting that last, I think it was three years ago, there was like four or five head coaching hires. Yes, three years ago, four or five head coaching hires. Last year, 
not two years ago, I should say, because it's not three years ago. But anyway, two years ago, there was three, a four or five head coaching hires. Last year, there was about seven, six or seven. Yep. This year, there's nine. And I, I don't know if this is a trend. It's a lot. If there's I hope a trend of, of more coaches, it's, I, it's almost a third of the league. It should really not, like, if you want stability in your franchise, don't be firing a coach every two years. No, I know. Like, you literally only fire Texans, a coach when it's Urban Meyer. Hire and, like, David Culley to fire him and hire Lovey That Smith. Exactly. That's a great example of, like, you. there was no point in firing David Culley. There was, there was no point. He, had, he actually outperformed expectations because people thought they were going to go 0-7, had a real chance of going 0-17, and he won, what, five games? Mm-hmm. Like I'm not saying that was a good football team, but like no, yeah, that was he, unfair. I think he was a transition coach just to kind of be. He like, was right. he exactly he was. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, we're gonna talk about a plethora of teams, um, and and discuss the different variances. Um, I also wanted to note too. Um, I was telling Rick before the show. Typically, offensive. What Dude, is happening? Good, <laughs> Why am I yawning? Uh, offensive head. What'd you say? Said you sleep last night. Yeah, dude, I slept like a brick. It's like it. You know, every time it hits like three, four o'clock, I start getting tired. I'm like, what am I, 107 years old? Anyway, so um, yeah, the typically offensive coaches work out more than uh, defensive coaches. Defensive coaches can become successes, but most of the time for fantasy relevance, if you look at the last couple years of of defensive head coaches that are hired, um, typically that does not mean good things for um, your offensive unit. Um, So we'll we'll walk through some of these coach hirings and see if there was uh, some good things, some bad things. Maybe we we start off with the defensive coaches just to kind of get those guys out of the way. Um, and then we'll move to all the offensive coach, head coach. Mm-hmm. The only example, um, I did look it up before the show, but Brent Staley was a defensive guy. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, the Chargers have been just fine. But other than him, I'm not really sure there's examples. Right. Of positive defensive coordinator. Or de- defensive coaches that become coaches. and Yeah. Uh, or head coaches. And, and the what, offense. I, what I noticed, too, is the younger guys, too, like Brandon Staley. Um tend to have a lot of experience on both sides of the ball. Like Josh McDaniel started as like a cornerbacks coach. Yeah. um, And he was a defensive guy and then Bill switched him offense. And obviously that worked out, but um, he's been an offensive guy ever since. And everyone looks at him just as an offensive guy, but he knows the defensive side of the ball as well. So uh, some of these younger guys do have that kind of track record, but anyway, We'll kind of give you a bird's eye view of the situation for each team that has a new coach hiring here uh, for every single new head coach, um, kind of quickly because we don't have we don't have a lot of time on this show uh, to get through all of those guys. But anyway, you ready to get going? Yep. All right. So we'll start off with the de- some of the defensive guys. Uh, Matt Eberflus, I believe he came from the Indianapolis Colts, where he was the defensive yes. coordinator for four years. Um. Yeah, where he's the defensive coordinator for, for yeah four years. Um, mm-hmm. that defense was pretty good. So I think on a overall level for the Bears defense, uh, not be a bad hire. It probably won't be a bad hire. And like this guy has been waiting for a head coaching gig for a little bit. 
Um, so I think, you know, it, 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 it's not a bad hiring for the bears. I will say it's not a great hiring for them offensively because obviously Eberflus, he through his entire like career going back in the NFL, I should say he's been line, he linebackers coach for the, the Browns linebackers coach for the Cowboys linebackers and passing game coordinator coach. Mm, I just saw that. That's interesting. The Dallas Cowboys. That is an interesting add on was this Matt Patricia <laughs> uh, Indianapolis Colts defensive coordinator for four years as I said earlier now obviously Chicago Bears head coach um, Eberflus is like I said interesting hire but I, I feel like a lot of what's going to happen on the offensive side of the ball is not really going to be influenced by Eberflus um, it's this new kid named Luke Getze yes do you know anything about Luke Getze um, <laughs> to be honest, not a ton. I will say that he, uh, he's worked with the Packers for a long time. Yep. Um, since 2014, uh, he's been an offensive guy, his whole coaching career, mm-hmm. um, even back to when he was in college. Um, he's been an offense coordinator for Indiana, uh, offense coordinator and quarterbacks coach for West Virginia Wesleyan. I have no idea what that is. Yeah. Um, a wide receivers coach for Western Michigan. Uh, and then he came to Green Bay and was um, pretty much worked throughout the offense and uh, grew in his roles and his coaching roles. Um, he, for one season, went to Mississippi State to be the OC and receivers coach. And then he went back to Green Bay mm. to be the quarterbacks coach and uh, passing game coordinator and quarterbacks coach. So he's basically been working in the offense um, side of football for the last about 15 years. And a lot of that was with the Green Bay Packers. So yeah, you, you would think that's good things, but at the same time, who really runs the offense for the Packers? I mean, it's not, not yeah. this guy. And the other thing I would say is that you look at the position that he had since 2019 with the Green Bay Packers after he left and then came back from Mississippi State. Uh, say it again? quarterbacks coach yeah right? quarterbacks coach so you might be able to say it could be it could be one of two things obviously uh Luke Getze is not coaching Aaron Rodgers to be good like it right. has that same Adam Gase look where Adam Gase was a very good offensive coordinator under Peyton Manning, Peyton Manning. and everyone was like wow an offensive genius. Well, he's that a was genius. A and then he gets hired by the Jets and the Dolphins, and he absolutely sucks. So it's like, I don't know if that's Luke Getze. I don't know if that has an effect in the situation. But we do know that Aaron Rodgers' success is not tied to Luke Getze. Right. So the question here is, with him going to uh, you know, the, the Chicago Bears, did he take what he learned with the Packers and – basically coaching or working with Aaron Rodgers, did he take something from that and can he apply it to Justin Fields? That's the hope. Um, and I, as someone who has a decent amount of Justin, Justin Fields shares, I would like to think so. <laughs> but it, so. honestly, if I'm a betting man, this doesn't, it's not one of my favorite hires of the um, new coaching, new coaches. So yeah. Yeah, I, I like obviously it's an offensive coordinator, so you can't really like it's a promotion. Correct. So like he, Correct. he hasn't had experience play calling besides I would assume his time at college. Mississippi State. 
Yeah. Um, but when you look at like, you know, I bring up that, that whole situation with the head coaching hires from last year, right? Um, oh. Brandon Staley obviously worked out, but we have a defensive minded guy in Dan Campbell. You know, what did the fantasy offense look like with him? Like um, Swift had yeah. some good games. Amon Ra was decent down the stretch. But he was great down the stretch. Great down the stretch, yeah. And but there was really nothing at the receiver position. Hawkinson was uh, was kind of overrated last year, and you cool. really couldn't rely on Jared Goff to do anything. So with the exception of a few guys, like that offense really wasn't great for fantasy football. It wasn't one that you flocked to to draft guys. Like it just wasn't a great situation. Um, Arthur Smith and the Falcons, they used Cordero Patterson way too much. And that's about it for that entire offense. I mean, Pitts is good, but was he startable on a week-to-week basis? No. He had one touchdown. Uh, Calvin Ridley was a good player when he was available, but obviously gone. So fantasy-wise, Falcons weren't great last year. Robert Sala, defensive guy from San Francisco. Jets, mm-hmm. literally no one. <laughs> no one. Don't disadvise him more. David Culley. Another defensive guy for the Houston Texans. We all know Houston Blue, so you can't really blame him. But Brandon Cooks is about the only option over there. So it's yeah. like, you know, bad teams are bad teams for a reason. But the question is, with the Bears situation, they have some fantasy assets that people like. Like, you you know, at the wide receiver position. You have um, Darnell Mooney. And who's the other kid? That's it. That's it. Are you serious? Is that all they? There's yeah, one as a Newman. I thought people liked. There is a dozen. All right, never mind. We'll just yeah. say we'll say Darnell Mooney. So you have Mooney, who's not a great was not a great fantasy asset even when the they're going to draft asset. somebody. They're most likely going to add somebody. But with that being said, like I'm not excited about <laughs> Mooney's prospects. Uh, you look at the tight end position. There's really no one there that I would be excited Cole about. Cole Komet, bro. Come on. I do like Cole Komet, but I don't think he's going to have success this year. And you have your running back, David Montgomery. Montgomery is really the only relevant fantasy asset in that offense, with the exception of where Justin Fields goes. So I think the success of all the Bears fantasy assets is tied into how successful their offense becomes with Justin Fields. And I don't know that Luke Getze can make that happen, but we've had we have seen. Uh, some Packers OCs and coaching staff leave and have success offensively in the NFL. So, I mean, that could happen. Um, I'm just not excited about this from a Bears perspective. Um, I mean, from a fantasy perspective, I don't know if it's going to mean good things. I told Rick before the show, there's some developing takes with me and Justin Fields and how I really do like him as a player, but um, I don't know if he's going to have fantasy relevant success in 2022. There might be some games where he has a big week, but outside of that, I just don't know that he's going to be a guy that you can rely That's on. That's more knock on the Bears. That's more of is. a knock on the Bears and not Justin Fields. So yeah. um, I would also say, based on what the Packers have done in the past, if he replicates that, uh, the running back position will probably be something more of a two down role for Montgomery that shifts to a pass catching back, which there's a lot of in this class. So they might draft one. Um, They love to use AJ Dillon and, 
Aaron Jones, and before it was Dylan, mm-hmm. it was Jamal Williams. So it's like they like to split over there. And I don't know if that translates. Um, but Mooney could have a huge year, though, considering um, the coaching staff as well as the lack of other options yeah. in the receiving core. He could, but what if the offense sucks? Yeah. I mean, Brandon Cooks had – when I say huge year, I mean – Well, you mean like decent wide receiver too. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I know yeah. that's fair. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm kind of – at this point, like unless the Bears make some other moves, I'm kind of selling on most Bears assets right now. Um, and in redraft, I'm kind of moving away from it. But anyway, you want to move on to the next guy? That's fair. Uh, yeah, we can. Uh, so the next guy, defensive coach, Lovey Smith. He has a history in the NFL. He coached the Bears for a long time. Long time. Uh, 2004, 2012, I believe. Um, and since then, he has either been out of the league or at a coordinator of some sort. Um, I believe, what was he, the Bucks? Bucks head coach from 2014 to 2015. Um, yeah. Um, that was not very successful. Uh, and when he was with the Bears, he had some successful seasons, but it was purely defense. Yeah. So um, they had some okay seasons in terms of like when I look back at the numbers in terms of like uh, receiving statistics and stuff like that mm-hmm. but like these were back in the Jay Cutler days Brandon Marshall Jay Cutler yeah yeah and like he Jay Cutler never threw over 3,600 passing yards they were right around 550 pass attempts on the season uh, so yeah I think when it comes to Lovey Smith I would imagine that it's going to be similar offensively because he's been a head coach for like more than seven, eight years. Um, but their new offensive coordinator, Pep Hamilton, um, is taking over. So I don't know how much effect he's going to have in that offense. Um, I'm looking him up now. Hold on. I want to get the, the history right of where he came from. Do you have him in front of you? Of Lovey Smith. Oh, no. It's of Pep Hamilton, the offense. Oh, okay. I do have Pep Hamilton. Um, um, yeah, he was a. So he's also like most guys started in college. He was with the Jets organization for a while, mm-hmm. but he's an offensive guy. Every every position he's been in, an offensive guy. He's worked in the NFL before. He was actually a part of Lovey Smith's staff for a couple he's of years. Coordinator with the Houston Texans. Um, he was he was the quarterbacks coach. I think Jay, with Jay Cutler um, in 2007, 2009. I oh, remember so correctly. So he's familiar. He is, yeah. And then um, he, I, I mentioned this before the show, he was actually the head coach of the D.C. Defenders, the XFL. Oh, and the and, general uh, manager. And the GM, yeah. And he went three and two. So take that with a grain of salt. I do not know XFL offensive stats, though. So I couldn't tell you how, what the offense looked like. But then he became the Chargers quarterback's coach. Um, and was that for Herbert's rookie year? Yeah, yeah I believe it was. Um, and then he went to Houston to become the passing game coordinator and quarterbacks coach last year. So this year, is so. for the Texans, by the way. I, I didn't even reference. Did I say he actually has a pretty good um, kind of experience with quarterbacks, so it could be a yeah. good thing for Davis Mills. Uh, he was Andrew Luck's quarterbacks coach at Stanford um, for a little bit and was the OC with Andrew Luck. Yeah. That didn't work that well. So, um, worked well with Davis Mills and Herbert, so. I will say I think this is also another hiring where 
Lovey Smith and Eberflus are both like I think good hirings for the team itself, but it's not exciting for the offensive side of the ball. I think yeah. Pep Hamilton promoted. Uh, he's worked, you know, like like Rick said, he's worked as the quarterbacks coach under rookie with rookie uh, quarterback Justin Herbert, who was not expected to start off the bat, and then oh. came out and had a very good rookie season in the time that he played. He worked with um, what did you say, uh, Andrew Luck at Stanford? And, and Stanford, yeah, he was the offense coordinator. And quarterbacks so coach. Um, he has worked with some quarterbacks before that have had success. He might be able to work with Davis Mills um, and try to develop them a little bit. Uh, but I still look at this, like I think the Texans are going to trade. They're still tanking. Uh, they're most they likely going to trade away. Brandon cooks is what my expectation would be. I don't want running backs in this offense. I don't want the quarterback. I don't want the receiving weapons. I don't really want anything to do with the Texans offense in, in, in general. Bro, you and, don't want Nico Collins. No, I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. Uh, <laughs> But Pep Hamilton, I don't think makes a difference in that. And there's nothing there that I'm like, like, do, am I excited about them building around Davis Mills? Yeah, maybe for my fantasy shares, dynasty fantasy shares of <laughs> Davis Mills. But right. So I don't think it's a bad like coaching staff for the Texans, but I don't know really what to expect at this point <laughs> from them. It could be, or he, Lovey Smith's, you know, not the coach in two years, and Pep Hamilton's yeah, not. That, yeah, that's, that's for sure. Um, it's a possibility. All right. And then final defensive coach uh, is an internal promotion of Dennis Allen, um, who was the defensive coordinator for the New Orleans Saints. Obviously, head coach uh, Sean Payton stepped away from football, uh, at least for a little while. And um, we have Dennis Allen, the defensive coordinator, who takes over. I don't know what the Saints' plan here is with Dennis Allen, Um I would assume that they're going to run a very similar style defense that they did last year. So nothing really changes there, but I would say Pete Carmichael, who was the offensive coordinator last year will continue as the offensive coordinator this year. So I'm going to say as a whole really quickly for the saints, not that we need to break down Pete Carmichael's. He wasn't hired. He's been so. the OC since uh, 2009. Yeah. So he's, he's <laughs> offensively, I don't think the Saints change. I think there'll be small changes to the offense only because uh, Sean Payton wasn't was an offensive guy, so I believe, and um, so I think I think that he had obviously a lot of influence in the offensive side of the ball. But I think that the Saints as a whole aren't really going to change offensively. There might be some minute like changes or additions because you know Payton's not there anymore, but. I think you can see more of the same of what you had last year. You're going to see, you know, Kamara be the featured back if he's still there. You're going to see them funnel the ball through one main wide receiver one, um, and nothing's really going to change from that perspective. So what you saw last year is what you're going to get most likely offensively this year, especially with Winston back and all that stuff. So I feel the same about the fantasy assets as I did before, nothing really changes with this. Yeah, episode. this is this is one of the few that I don't think really changes much. The offense, the OCs, they've had the same offense for the last twelve years or so. Um, and I know Sean Payton was an offensive guy, so yeah. as you said, there might be some slight changes, but it's nothing going to be crazy. I don't believe. Okay. Um, all right, those are the defensive coaches. Now we can talk more intelligently <laughs> about the offensive coaches. <laughs> Because uh, they're a little bit easier to talk about. But let's start with uh, the Broncos hiring 
uh, Nathaniel Hackett, the offensive coach from uh, – oh, God, where did he come from? I forgot. The uh, Packers. Packers, that's right. Um, and he was the offensive coordinator? Yep. Yeah, so he was the offensive coordinator from the um, the Green Bay Packers, uh, and we saw what type of offense they had. Now, prior to everything that has happened over the last couple of weeks, and I kind of like doing the coaches show a little bit later because it gives you an idea, or the coaching changes show, it gives you an idea of what this team is going to have moving into 2022. I listened to a podcast today um, where people had talked about some of the coach hirings like a month and a half ago, and they were talking about Brady retired and they were saying, uh, Teddy Bridgewater, wonder what they're going to do with them, like stuff like that. So it's like, now that we have a picture kind of what the offenses are going to look like, we can kind of make a determination on this. Nathaniel Hackett had Aaron Rodgers, and now he has Russell Wilson. Yep. I am going to go out on a limb and say what the Packers ran is what, because Rodgers is a gunslinger, and so is Russell Wilson. So they both kind of fit that mold, and I feel like, this offense is going to be very predicated on exactly what the Packers were doing last year. Um, I think you're going to see a workhorse running back in Jonathan. Oh, Jonathan Taylor. Why did I? Why is Jonathan Taylor? Javante Williams. I do think that they could bring and might bring back uh, Melvin Gordon, and there would be some kind of mix of guys there because that that is what the Packers like to do. Um, but that didn't hinder. Aaron Jones from being in a RB one with the Packers. I don't think it's going to hinder the Broncos. So um, I am excited to see where that goes. The one interesting thing is that traditionally on the Packers offenses, and maybe it's just because they never had a second guy. There was always been a number one wide receiver. Do the Broncos pick a number one wide receiver and just throw to them a million times, or is this going to be spread out? I would assume spread out because of Russ. I think this can be spread out too because of Russ, and I would trust Russ more with like the passing yeah. um, part of it. Where like in Seattle, he had his two guys Metcalf and Lockett, and I think it's going to be very similar with Denver, where it's going to be Sutton and Judy, yeah. and then Tim Patrick will be sprinkled in. Albert O will be sprinkled in. You know, there'll be an occasional deep ball to KJ Hamler, but I think for the most part, it's going to be between those two guys. Yeah. What I'll say about um. Nathaniel Hackett, uh, for, I'll start with the cons first. I feel like he was OC with Green Bay the last couple of years, but I feel like Matt LaFleur is the real OC yeah. in Green Bay, right? Yep. I feel like he kind of runs the offense. Um, so that was that's kind of a, a negative when I first started the hire. Um, Aaron Rodgers is very high on him. He said like he's like the best OC in the league. He's gonna be an amazing coach and all this stuff. He said he's only says positive things about him. Um, so I don't know. Take that for a positive or negative, <laughs> depending on your opinion on Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> yeah. But what I'll say that's interesting about um, Nathaniel Hackett that I like. Um, if you go back into his coaching career, mm-hmm. he was the OC the, the year uh, the Jaguars made it to the AFC Championship game. Yeah. And. Uh, that year was he had, his quarterback was Blake Bortles, and I know that it was, the Jaguars were a defensive team. But if you look at the talent on offense, mm-hmm. like that, <laughs> that team was not good, and uh, they still were o- an okay offensive team. Mm-hmm. Um, and they had the best rushing game in the league uh, with Leonard Fournette. And then you go to Green Bay, 
and all of a sudden the Packers run the ball more and have one of the best, you know, team wise rushing attacks in the league. Yeah. Um, so in his last two offense coordinator positions, they've had a top five, top 10 running game. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that's going to be interesting to see in Denver. Um, you know, you could see that with Javante and if Melvin Gordon comes back, if they have Javante and Melvin Gordon, I could see the Broncos having a top five, top 10 uh, running, running game league as well. And then with Russell Wilson as your quarterback, it's just a recipe for success. So um, I, I don't mind this hiring. Uh, and I think it's, it's a win for Javante Williams. Um, yeah, that, that, and if Melvin Gordon comes back, it's kind of a win for him, but I don't know how fancy relevant it's going to be. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, all right. So I think I agree with you. I think it's a good hiring. Um, I'm already on my brain's already on Doug Peterson for the Jags. Dougie Doug. This is an interesting thing. This is an interesting situation. Um, I didn't like it at first. Yeah, I, I wasn't a huge fan of it at first. Um, he was the head coach of the uh, Philadelphia Eagles from 2016 to 2020. Uh, so he coached through the 2020 season, and he was fired. Spent, yeah, fired. Spent one year. I don't know if he did anything that one year he was off. Did he coach? I can't remember. I don't think so. No, he did not. So anyway, um, he becomes the head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars. He did happen to build a whole offensive system around uh, Carson Wentz when it was Carson Wentz MVP year, essentially. Like when he, if he had not gotten hurt, he probably would have won the MVP. Um, And this is also the year that when Carson Wentz got hurt, Nick Foles took over and, and carried the team to a Super Bowl. So like he took the offense and he morphed it around Carson Wentz. He got hurt and then shifted it into Nick Foles and took it all the way to the Super Bowl where they scored literally more more points than five touchdowns from Brady. Yep. So, so he, he, he has a good track record, but he also has a very ugly track record when it comes to uh, success with NFL organizations because his, like last, his last season with, with the Eagles with the Eagles is just not great. Um, I think this is good for Trevor Lawrence. I think the offense is 100% going to be way better than it was when Urban Meyer was running it. And I think, honestly, the reason why Trevor Lawrence looked so bad last year was because of Urban Meyer, honestly. It was they were doing, they were trying to do too much with him too early, and it was a mistake. And now with, with Doug Peterson, I think they're going to work with a system that Trevor Lawrence can work with and build something around that because Trevor Lawrence is supposed to be the next best quarterback for the next 10 years. So um, I do want to point out specifically about the running back position. Uh, This is a guy that gave a split workload to Miles Sanders and Bart Boston Scott. Uh, The first year, I believe Miles Sanders was in the league. Robin ETN, baby. My guy. Yeah. Yeah. So it to me it's yeah J Robin Etn and then you see like prior to Miles Sanders taking over a role there they had literally Jay Ajahi Darren Sproles Josh Adams Wendell Smallwood Corey Clement <laughs> that was in 2018 a cluster frick of a rushing rush rushing attack um, when he has had a featured running back he has used them as that a talented enough guy. So, you know, looking at looking at the Jag situation, 
maybe I don't know who that ends up being, but knowing that they have two guys that can be, you know, featured backs, I think you're going to see both of them be utilized similar to what you saw with, you know, Sanders and Boston Scott in the past. So I don't know if that's a good thing. Uh, definitely not a good thing for James Robinson, but I yeah. think you'll see improvement for the whole offense as a whole. And I think this could be a good, a good hiring for the Jags. Yeah. Um, like I said, at first I didn't like it, and then I kind of gave it some more thought, and I, I don't mind it now. I think it's it's good for Trevor Lawrence, for sure, and not just because I think Peterson has a background with the offense and successful offensive systems and quarterbacks and all that. Um, it's also because he's going from <laughs> Urban Meyer to Doug Peterson, mm-hmm. so he's going to get a bump in terms of offensive minds there. Um, Doug Peterson – what I like about him too is he comes from the Andy Reid system, mm-hmm. um, so he knows offenses very well. Uh, and that year the Eagles won the Super Bowl. It, it can't just all be luck, right? <laughs> like their offense was so dynamite, even with Nick Foles, that you have to think Doug Peterson had a lot to do with that. Mm-hmm. Um, some people credit Frank Wright a lot, who's now the head coach of the, the Colts, um, and. I actually heard an interesting interview with um, who was the the running back. I want to say it was LeGarrette Blount. It might have been LeGarrette Blount. Um, and he was. They asked him like, "Who do you think had the the most success, or who caused the success the most? Was it Doug Peterson or Frank Wright?" And uh, he said he thought it was pretty split. But if he had to choose one, it would have been Doug Peterson. Um, so I think it shows. It just shows like what he's capable of doing. Um, and it is good for the Jags. In terms of the running backs, though, it's you know it's totally up in the air. I think they're going to go with yeah. the hot hand on a week. We're running weeks. projections. It's going to be really interesting. Yeah, I would rather have ETN though because I do mm-hmm. think he's going to be the pass catcher of the two. Yeah. Um. So in PPR formats. Yeah. And even half PPR formats, I think I choose ETN. But it's kind of a. <laughs> they're going to use both those guys. I agree. Let's talk about Josh McDaniels really quickly, and we can talk about Josh McDaniels better than anyone because we've watched him for, what, 12 years? Yeah, a long time. Oh, boy. We've been very uh, – we love Josh, but we've also been very critical. Very critical of Josh McDaniels. So, um, Rick will probably be more critical of Josh McDaniels, but I would say this – you know, he, he, he had a head coaching gig many years ago with the Denver Broncos back in 2009, and uh, his first year – he won, I believe, the first six games of the regular season. They were six and zero, and then they collapsed. It was it was a pretty epic yeah, collapse. I think, I don't think was, he was. They were five and zero, and then he beat the Patriots. I remember the whole celebration. Uh, yeah, and what was it? Six wins. People six thought he was like Sean McVay before Sean McVay. Yeah. So he's obviously had a shot. He got offered a job with the Colts, and then uh, ghosted them, and said no. Uh, he took the job and then he backed out at the last second because um, I think Robert Kraft took him to the the same massage parlor he goes to or whatever. Just for uh, him to leave a year later to go to arguably a worse <laughs> situation. I, uh, I mean, they don't have a coach over there in in, in, in Indianapolis. And maybe he knew that what's-his-name wasn't going to be there, Andrew Luck. Maybe he talked to him and said Luck was like, yeah. oh, tiring. So either way. Um, but Josh McDaniels takes over as, a, as the head coach of the Raiders. Um, obviously the offense that he runs is very similar to what you're seeing with the Patriots who, you know, ran that offense last year, what Tom Brady runs with the Buccaneers, very similar there. 
So you're going to see that situation happen with the Raiders. And I think McDaniels is with the Raiders because they fit the mold of what he wants. You have a twitchy slot receiver, Hunter Renfro, a couple of tight ends, Foster Moreau and, and Darren Waller. Yep. Sweaty makes him sweat a little a good bit. Good hard running. You got Josh you Jake. got a pass catching running back in Kenyon Drake, and you got a good like running, good hard running 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 back in uh, Josh Josh Jacobs, and a good offensive line. And your quarterback is a pocket passer yep. that, that is slightly better than Mac Jones right now. So I would say Derek Carr and and the Raiders and this hiring of Josh McDaniels, he has a very specific idea of what he wants to do. They also added Devontae Adams as the X outside. So Yeah, just casually throw that in. Yeah. <laughs> so so like but you look at you look at what Josh McDaniels is gonna do. I think it's gonna be very similar, like I said, as the Patriots, but as far as it affects the fantasy outlook of things, I don't like like Carr for fantasy at all. If you're in a super flex league, he's fine. But I think well, he's I love be, him in super flex. In super flex, but yeah, leagues, yeah, for one quarterback, yeah. in one quarterback leagues, he's he's not. He's gonna be like quarterback fourteen or fifteen, so he's not gonna be like anybody special. But as far as the offensive weapons go, I think I like Renfro a lot. I think Josh Jacobs will be okay. I'm curious to see if McDaniel's uses Josh Jacobs in the passing game or if he relegates that to Brandon Bolden and uh and and Kenyon Drake. I'm very curious to see how he deals with yeah, that. Yeah, that 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 I I don't know. And then like because he added Devontae Adams, where it you know, are the targets going to go through the tight ends like he normally did or is he changing the the offense up a little bit that he has and saying, "Okay, we're going to go you know, more heavy with the wide receiver position. I don't know. Um, so I think it's a good hiring for the Raiders. I don't think this is a bad hiring. Um, I think they did the the interim head coach dirty after he at least deserved a shot. Agreed. After, I do after agree getting that. that team to the playoffs. After so, I mean, David Culley, I think the Texans did him dirty too. So it's, it's two situations where... I think those yeah. guys deserved another. I don't year. know what it's going to look like for the Raiders. I don't know if they're going to win or lose games, but I know for fantasy, this should be a good offense for fantasy. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it should absolutely. be. And and I think like I'm not afraid to draft any assets here. Um, so I actually have do have one question for you because um, okay. the fantasy community is very split on this player, and I, you briefly mentioned him, but Hunter Renfro, okay. and that's due to a lot because Devontae Adams is there mm-hmm. and there's a chance he's the second or third option, depending on how you view Waller. Um, do you think he's worth getting drafted in like the sixth, fifth round where he's probably going to go? Um, that's too high for me. Okay. But I will say is he a wide receiver too. I will say, yeah, he's a wide receiver too on the team and probably in fantasy receiver. in in fantasy. Yeah. I would say he's probably a wide receiver too. Um, I will say last year, um, I think he's going to be similar to Jacoby Myers because he plays in the slot. Yes, um, I agree. He's a much better version. <laughs> he's yes, like a right. superstar version of Jacoby Myers. But, but yes, he's going to. Jacoby play Myers had 83 catches last year for 866 yards. Agree. Um, I could see efficiency go up and receptions go up. So I, I could see somewhere in the nine ninety catch range for him. Um. Even with Devontae Adams being there and yeah, demanding a high target share. I think the person that takes the hit is Darren Waller. Mm. Mm. If there has to be a guy. like I kind I of agree with Wa- you. Watching Josh McDaniels, 
Uh, I think Bill worked with Josh. Bill Belichick worked with Josh McDaniels and and kind of forced him into running the ball as much as they did. And I think Josh McDaniels wanted to go with that super wide five wide receiver set like the whole game. <laughs> like he tried to do it with Brady. Yeah. And I think that's what he wants to do. So I think you could see um I think you see both of those guys getting tired. I don't think the Raiders are gonna throw it six hundred times. I really don't. So I actually think Adams is gonna take a bigger hit than any of most people think. The most people think. Yeah. I, I think that Renfro is gonna get his because that's how they run the offense. Waller will have some opportunities in the red area, but I I think Devontae Adams, who is Adams is gonna Adams is obviously gonna play a huge role still. Yeah. And he's gonna have a huge role in the red area as well. Mm-hmm. But I do agree with you that I think he's going to for fantasy purposes, um, be worse than people think. And it's not necessarily a knock on Adams. It's yeah. just the way the offense is going to gonna go. And I still think he's going to be a top 10 fantasy receiver, but playing the X in the Josh McDaniel system is not, you know, I don't, I don't think time, it's... The last time I can think of a guy that was talented that played that that role was Brandon Cooks for Josh McDaniels. Brandon Cooks, I think Josh Gordon a little bit. We saw flashes of yeah, it. Yeah, but he just didn't Not play to enough. make a pun, flashes. But when he was um, in New England in his one season in 2017, uh, 114 targets, 65 catches, 1,082 yards. Yes. Um, I, I think he's – and seven touchdowns. I think, obviously, Adams is better than Brandon Cooks. And that he gets more targets. I think he gets around 130. But what you see from Adams and that can be high volume. Say it again. I think I think with Adams you're going to see a lot of high volume, big plays, touchdowns, things like that. But you're going to see the, you're like, going to see the target share decrease to me at least. Yeah. Well, I'll probably project so him at here's like something though that we aren't factoring in on this conversation though is Derek Carr and his relationship with Adams. One of the main reasons Adam Adams wanted to play with the Raiders is because he's best friends with Derek Carr. That's a dumb like. How? It's like it's like Tyreek Hill being like, "I'm so excited to be a Dolphin." I know. Are you? I know. You just I think, left, I mean, you just be, left the be best fair, quarterback in the freaking NFL. <laughs> I think the Raiders are probably better than the Dolphins. I don't. I mean, I don't know. It's close, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. I agree. Right, Derek Carr is a better quarterback than Tua by far. I, I, w- I would agree with that. Well, maybe not by far, but I would agree he's a better quarterback for sure. But anyway, um, I think we both can agree Josh McDaniels, I think, is an upgrade for fantasy assets. Yes, yes. Okay, uh, let's move on to the next guy who is a complete anomaly of a – he's either the smartest and most <laughs> brilliant a, offensive yep. coordinator in our lifetime or he is just going to flame out Adam Gase. like Adam Gase. Yeah, uh, so it's Mike McDaniel. And he was the offensive coordinator under Mike Shanahan. So a Shanahan coach tree player. Um, and most of those guys come out and they end up being pretty good. It's right. the Shanahan tree and McVay tree. Usually those two, uh, you, get, you get a coach from those systems and you're pretty good. Um, he was on the same staff as Sean McVay, Kyle Shanahan, and Matt LaFleur with Washington in 2010 and 20, until 2016, actually. Wow. So, 
he's an interesting guy. Now, initially, I watched the press conference. I watched the cheesy video that the Dolphins posted of him talking to Tua. Or Tua on the plane. I watched his Pat McAfee interview, and I don't know about this guy. There are certain people in life that are good leaders, and they have big voices, and they stand up, and people listen to them. And I would say Mike McDaniel is not one of those human beings. Um, because when I listen to him talk, he just sounds like he sounds like he's going to a, a rage party in college. Yeah. And that he's going to just get completely hammered. And he sounds like one of the players, to be honest with you. And that could be good. That could be bad. Could, I, I was going to say that could that could be a good thing, depending I, on. And I'm surprised more people are not calling this out. They're They're looking at Mike McDaniel and giving him a lot of credit. And not being like, this guy seems like a lunatic. And I'm like, I, I feel like I'm the only person saying this. Like, that he's he doesn't seem... He just seems like a weird personality. But yes, then I saw but, some videos of him coaching players. And I was like, okay. Oh. I can get behind this. He seems smart. Right. He seems like he knows... So I don't know. I don't, so it's that's, gonna be that's the thing. Really it's, good. Or no. really bad. They say they say this about like some like geniuses are just like insane people, but then when you put them in the situation that they're a genius in, mm -hmm. they just go to work. Okay, I right? got a story for you. You say that about artists, right? Yeah. When they when when they start painting or mm -hmm. writing music, Kanye West, crazy person, but like when he's in his zone, he makes brilliant things. Okay. I have, Scientists, a, I have thing. a story for this really quick, ready? Okay. So there's a media person in New England. Um, okay. He told a story. Can't remember his name, but he told a story how at the Super Bowl one year, he went to uh, interview Bill Belichick. And when you're at the Super Bowl, you get these big rooms. Um, so like typically, a head coach who goes to the Super Bowl stays there for a couple of days. They'll get like a giant like conference room in a hotel. And right. So they load for Bill Belichick. He was in the Super Bowl, and they loaded all this stuff in. He had his treadmill. They had his desk. They had a freaking mattress in this giant like conference room for him to sleep on. Like they provide all of this stuff and change the whole hotel around just for the coach. That's <laughs> ridiculous. But anyway, so he goes in for the interview and he sees Bill Belichick walking on his treadmill, watching film, multitasking. And then he comes over and he says, hey, I'm here for the interview. And he's like, okay, just go sit over there. I'll be over there in a second. So then the guy goes over to the, the media person and sits down and he has a bowl of tortilla chips. And he takes the tortilla chips out and he breaks the corners off and only eats the center and puts the corners back. <laughs> I'm like, who eats a tortilla chip what? like that? And then I was like, Nobody. this guy's a psychopath psychopath yep. if he was not a head coach in the nfl he'd be a murderer. So that's so that's the thing though psychopath <laughs> like it could really be a good thing it could also be a horrible thing yeah, no it could, it, could be, it could be a complete joke so I, the first vibes i got from mike mcdaniel when i saw the videos and the stuff was this guy is gonna flame out like i think as patriots fans we're both hoping that he's yeah but i don't even care like i'm not even a dolphin hater and before all of this afc like superpower like hierarchy, like trade for everyone, pound up the AFC and get everyone good. Uh, before the AFC was very, very good when they hired Mike McDaniel, and I wasn't scared of Jalen Waddle and the Dolphins. Tyree Kill. I uh, sorry, yeah, Tyree Kill and the Miami Dolphins. I was like, Mike McDaniel just seems like a joke. Why would they fire Brian Flores for 
yeah and it's partly because we both like Flores a lot and a lot of people did and i think he deserved he was a good coach um and he hopefully get another opportunity but yeah, I had the same same thoughts yeah, when I first saw him. He seems a little like me and Rick. His resume isn't scratched. bad. No, he's got. But again, it's kind of like Nathan, um, whatever his Nathaniel name is, Hackett. Uh, Nathaniel Hackett. Thank you from the Broncos, where I gotta make he that was the, a keyword for this. He's Nathaniel been, Hackett. yeah, I know. He's been in the Shanahan system for pretty much his whole career. He yep. did have a couple years. Uh, he was the Browns' wide receiver coach. Okay, but then he he followed Kyle Shanahan to the Falcons. Um. I think I want to say he was a part of the staff that went to the Super Bowl because it was 2016. Mm-hmm. And then he followed Kyle Shanahan to the 49ers. And now he's a head coach. So he's been with Kyle Shanahan. And I feel like Kyle Shanahan runs the offense. Yeah. But who knows? It's, I think the offense itself is going to be very similar to it's going to, yes, what the 49ers run. Yeah. And, and so. Like, uh, they don't really. Who did they? Did they sign a running back? Yeah, they signed 49ers players. They oh, signed yeah, that's uh, right. Raheem, Raheem Mostert and um, Chase Edmonds. Chase is not a 49ers player, but yeah, plays so this like is one. this is going to be. Uh, I would fully expect the Miami Dolphins back East to Coast, be a, a a RBBC full committee. Oh yeah, um, absolutely. I don't. Absolutely. I don't want anyone in their backfield. Um, Waddle and I uh, see. I think. I think what what Shanahan does most of the time and what I think Mike McDaniel is going to do is he, he kind of predicates his offense surrounding what he has. So like you have Jimmy G right now, you use Jimmy G's strengths and weaknesses uh, or not weaknesses, but you use his strengths to, you know, your advantage when it comes to the offensive side of the ball, Trey Lance has different strengths. So I think the offense itself is going to morph and change. Yes. I think what McDaniel is doing right now, and you can see it happen, you know, unfold as things play out in the off season is that, Tua is not a shoot it down the field 50 yards, 40 yards kind no. of player. He They're going to have a RPO, lot of motion, quick of passes. Motion. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So they're kind of morphing their offense around Tua and adding, you know, Tyreek Hill and having Jalen Waddell and some of that stuff kind of allows Mike McDaniel to do this. Um, so I, I offensively, I don't know what's going to happen for the Dolphins. Like we said, it could be really good. It could be really bad. I'm going to err on the side of he's a McD- he's a Kyle Shanahan coach, so he's smart, and he probably is, knows what he's doing, and the offense is going to be fine. Um, I just don't – I don't like the running back situation, and I don't really like the wide receiver situation uh, because they're not going to throw it a lot, I wouldn't imagine. And – I mean, who knows? Maybe they do. I don't know. But if they only throw it 520, 525 times, you're going to see uh, Jalen Waddell and and Tyreek Hill kind of see a decrease in the target share that they saw last year, um, which is not good for fantasy. So I still like Tyreek Hill. I think he's probably like seven or eight um, wide receiver rankings. Would you disagree yeah. with that? And no, then uh, Waddle should be like 13 or 14. Yeah, but um, and I think Mike McDaniel, that's not Mike McDaniel necessarily. It's more or less uh the fact that they have the, both the wide receivers. So it'll be interesting. Two, to see they're what they they're, do, they're gonna try to get those two guys involved as much as possible. There's no question. 
But anyway, quickly, we need to go through these last two, uh, three minutes each for these last two court, okay. uh, coach hirings. Uh, we have Kevin O'Connell from the uh, of the Minnesota Vikings, new head coach of the Minnesota Vikings, Kevin O'Connell. He is an offensive coach. I believe he was an offensive coordinator. Yep, uh, for the uh, Rams. For the Rams, yeah. So he comes over from the Rams, the offensive coordinator. Obviously, we know McVay is this guy. This is a McVay coach tree guy. Is he? Um, is he, he? I just had a a brain blast moment. He is the quarterback, former court quarterback for the New England Patriots. Yeah, yeah. He drafted yeah. him in like the third round. Yep. Couple, I did. I didn't know. That's that. not first round arm talent, is it? No, no. That was Ryan Mallett. Oh, he's a different one. <laughs> Sorry. I just remember using this guy in Madden, <laughs> like 2008. <laughs> Trade Brady, rebuild the Patriots. Yeah. <laughs> Yikes! Right after their eighteen or yeah eighteen and zero season. Yikes! Yeah. So um, anyway, he is now the head coach of the Minnesota Vikings. Um, I would say, based on what we've seen from the Rams, they love to use one running back. Uh, we saw that with Todd Gurley. Now we see that with um, what's his name, our Cam guy Cam Akers, and then uh, and then we saw Sony Michelle when he was Even, when he was yeah the or Daryl Henderson or Daryl Henderson. So they like to use one running back, which is good for the running back position, i.e. Dalvin Cook. I don't think any head coach coming in would split opportunity between these two guys, uh, Alexander Madison. I think Madison will get some work, but I think it's going to be Dalvin Cook's backfield. So this is neither a good thing nor a bad thing for uh, Dalvin Cook. I think for the quarterback position, um, nothing really changes for Kirk Cousins. I think Kirk Cousins, is, Kirk Cousins is Kirk Cousins. What I do think is that this is an upgrade for the wide receiver position. I think that Justin Jefferson will get, will see more target share, um, and he'll see an improvement in his game more than he already has. Like he could he could excel into that top three every single year conversation. Uh, at yep. the wide receiver position, especially with guys like Hill and Devontae Adams going to new situations. There's an opening up there, and Justin Jefferson's home is top three. So um, I think there's a good thing for, for them. I don't know if it's a good hiring for the Vikings, like NFL-wise. I <laughs> yeah, I don't know either. But, but either way, offensively, I think the Vikings will be fine. Nothing's really going to full Like, offense, the offense is going to change a little bit. Yes. But – in the style at which they play is going to play change a little bit, but I'm excited about all the fantasy assets on the Vikings that we get to play around with. Yeah. I don't think it changes as much as like you said, um, he had, there is an actual quote from him saying that he wants to use Justin Jefferson, like Cooper cup. So that should, yeah, that, that that'll get the people going. Oh boy. Um, Where is he ranked and why is he not my wide receiver? <laughs> one? I don't know, but uh, there's talks about him. He was saying like, we're not just going to line him up because Minnesota, they moved him around a little bit, yeah. but not like Cooper Cup. Cooper Cup gets moved around on almost every play, and he said that's the way you want to use him. You, they, he said you want to – the other team doesn't know where he's going to get lined up when you play. That's yeah. kind of how they want to go with Justin Jefferson. He's, like, going to be the main guy. So mm-hmm. um, that's obviously positive things. But, yeah, I don't think the offense will uh, – fantasy-wise will be affected too, too much. Dalvin yeah. Cook is still going to be the guy. Kirk Cousins, I think, will – Still put up decent numbers. Um, they're going to take big, big shots, which they um, have in the past, though, as well. Uh, they, they took big shots last year. Uh, the Rams were like number one or number two in the league and taking big shots, big plays. So yeah. the Vikings will definitely continue to do that. But as I said, they've done that before. So it's not anything crazy. 
Okay. Um, yeah, I agree. So I think that's all we got to talk about for the Vikings. You good there? Yep. All right, let's talk about the last guy, uh, Giants new head coach, Brian Dayball. And we are familiar with this guy as well. Um, yeah. He taught Josh Allen into what he is today, I would say. Um, it's extreme, but sure. You would say? That's a little extreme, but yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah it's true. Um, but anyway, the de- everything that you see for the Bills offensively is has nothing to do with Sean McDermott. Um, yeah, he's a defensive guy, isn't he? He's a defensive guy, yeah. So uh, Brian Dayball was the guy running this offensive system, and he kind of has been developing, uh, at least over the last couple of years, Josh Allen in kind of into the player that he is. He has had some jobs in the past where he's had to develop quarterbacks, and it hasn't really worked. Um, this one happened to work out. And so the hope, the hope here is that you see a similar style player in Daniel Jones develop into a better passer and into a better quarterback overall um, using Brian Dayball as the head coach. So I think that's what the Giants are hoping. Yeah. Uh, if it doesn't work with this guy, I don't think it's going to work with anyone for <laughs> no. Daniel Jones. He's going to no. be garbage. This is, this, is his, this is his tryout. They're going to give him one year. Yeah. And I think actually Dayball – um, he's probably my favorite hire on this list in terms of yeah. uh, coaches I would have hired. Um, McDaniel's I think is up there. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think I think in Hackett as well maybe. But Dayball is the guy I think is the best hire. I wish you went to a different team because the Giants are just so bad. <laughs> but if you look at the places he's been, yeah. he's he's been very successful. He started off as a defensive coach for the Patriots actually, mm-hmm. um, and then he switched. But you, you know how Belichick switched McDaniel's. He did the same thing with Dayball. Went to a receivers coach. Mm-hmm. Uh, struggled a little bit in his first offensive coordinator positions, um, and then he went back to New England. Was a tight ends coach with uh, Gronk and Aaron Hernandez. Um, and then it kind of flipped. He got a new OC job with Alabama, and that was the year they won the national championship. Had maybe the number one offense in the country, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. And they had that was to his first year as a freshman. Yep. And Jalen Hurts. So those two guys were both great with Dayball. He goes back to the NFL with the Bills, and then as you said, kind of turned over Josh Allen's career. And now he has a chance to do that with Daniel Jones. I think he's a he's a very good offensive mind um, and a very good offensive coach. So. If you look at what the Bills did, they threw the ball a lot, a lot. So um, I don't know if they're going to do that with Daniel Jones, but yeah. um, it's a possibility. He also I, the, the Bills didn't have Saquon Barkley level. Yeah, that's back. what I was going to say. Is I I think yeah. the Bills had been searching for a running back for a while, mm-hmm. and um, and I feel like because of that not having like a feature guy it's been a little bit tougher for them what i will say is i feel like in the past at least at the running back position when they felt like they had a guy they used him so like yes even this past year when singletary was hot he was the guy they when zach him. moss was hot he was the guy so barkley it uh, rumors floating around that he might be traded i don't know that that's going to happen but i don't i feel like they're going to just build this thing not build around Saquon Barkley, but I think they're just going to give Saquon Barkley the ball like he had in the past. Um, the real question is like, so let's say Daniel Jones is actually good, right? He yep. improves and he takes a step forward this year under Dayball. What does that mean for the receiver weapons? 
Good. Uh, do you I, do you have a favorite for redraft? If you know, if the Giants, if Daniel Jones somehow has a good season yeah. or at least an average season, is there a guy that you look at and go, "I want him"? Because there's one guy for me, but I would probably say, uh, I would probably say, if I had to choose one, it would be um, Kadarius Tooney. Yeah, I agree. Um, I don't like Kenny Galladay <laughs> really all that much. And I'm not <laughs> I don't really either. a big fan of Slayton either. I do have a big love for John Ross, but it's only in Madden. <laughs> they have Sterling Shepard still. Who's yeah, you know. Sterling Shepard, Darius Slayton. So I do think this is good for for Kadarius Tooney as a slot receiver. Um, I think he can be utilized in a in a strong way in that offense, but. I think this year they're really just going to focus on Daniel Jones and, and getting him up and running, I guess, um, mm-hmm. and see where that goes. So offensively, though, I think that I think this is a good thing for the Giants. Yeah, no, oh, a thousand percent. This is this is the best thing that they could have done. And I, at this point, um, or not at this point last year, but at the end of the season last year, mm-hmm. I thought that they had the worst offense in the NFL. So, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that was also with Mike Lennon, though. So Probably obviously Mike Daniel Lennon. Jones will upgrade that alone. But yeah. uh, Brian Dayball is a great, great step addition. in the right direction. So yeah. if you're a Giants fan, I think you should be happy about that. But Kadarius Tooney quickly um, last season, uh, I don't include his first two games that he played because mm-hmm. he did not start. So starting with the weeks that he started, if you just pace that out to a full season, uh, he would have had 122 targets, 88 catches, over a thousand yards. Um, he also would have had eight rushing attempts, so used on a couple end arounds. Yeah. I think he, if if the offense does get better, I would definitely be interested in Kadarius Tooney, especially PPR leagues. Um, he showed flashes of being actually really good, like better than mm-hmm. I thought right. pre-draft. Um, and uh, I could see why he would be a first round pick. Where at this time last year we were like, "Whoa, Kadarius Tooney first round." Mm-hmm. Um, and then he ended up doing that. So I, if Dayball uses him the right way, I think he's got a good connection with Daniel Jones. Kenny Galladay is definitely not. No, he's washed. You know, yeah. So and it, even if he gets used, he's going to be like a red zone guy. You know. I agree. Um, unless you have anything else on the Giants. Nope. All right. Uh, there you have it. A list of new head coach hirings. Hopefully, uh, this show helped you through the process of figuring out what this means for certain offenses. Um, obviously, some really good things for some teams, some not-so-great things for others. Uh, I would watch out for those defensive coaches offensively. It might not be a good thing. But anyway, there you have it. Talking about running backs, rookies on Thursday. See you later, guys. See you. Thank you for listening to the Fantasy Champions Podcast. Make sure you subscribe on iTunes and YouTube and follow us on Twitter at the FF Champs.